Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Can you turn the lights on? Oh, there they go. There they go. Good. I could see you. I didn't know if you were able to see up there. Right, well, let's go to prayer. Would you just bow your hearts with me wherever you are in this room or our streaming family in a hotel room and you're looking at your phone at your house? Lord, send your fire in the name of Jesus. Send your fire. Lord, upon us. You, you've said that Jesus would be the one who, when he comes, would baptize us with his spirit and with fire. Lord, thank you for calling us to these 40 days of prayer. Thank you that you brought us halfway through and a little more. But we come before you this morning to, to ask you to refresh us, to replenish us from the inside out. We ask you to pour out your spirit upon your people today in the name of Jesus. Thank you for the promise of breakthroughs. Thank you for the promise of deliverance. Thank you for the promise of wisdom and insight and understanding that you are giving to us as we lay our needs before you, lay our dreams before you, lay our burdens and people that we're concerned about before you. Pour out your spirit, Lord. Pour out your spirit upon us this day, during this season, and we thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. All kinds of reports, all kinds of different answers to prayer that we're getting indication of as you let us know some of what the Lord is doing in your prayer circles. And a number of you are, are in a prayer circle of one, in a sense. Uh, others of you have groups that are of varying sizes. Grateful for what, um, so thankful for what the Lord is doing to encourage us. There is more that he wants to do. I, I feel particularly impressed to, to mention a couple of things this morning. I don't want anybody throwing a book at me when I say these things or getting up and walk out as I say these things. But I believe we need to, we need to hear them, and I'm joking about that because I believe our hearts are open to what the Lord's truth is. The first thing is this. I feel like there are a number of of our family and those involved that are praying for financial breakthroughs. Um, it may be debt. It, it may be um, uh, the desire for deals to come through that just haven't made yet. All, all of that seems to be uh, combined in that and addressed in that, that Malachi 3.10 passage about bringing our tithe, our whole tithe unto the Lord. One of the benefits the Lord says, when, when you do that, the, the curse, financial curse is taken off of you. And, and that um, he will cause the devourer that has been eating up the crops uh, to, to be pushed back so that you'll, you will have more uh, to use than you had before uh, simply because the devourer, he'll, he'll, he'll defeat the devourer. The other thing is that he will cause the, the vines to quit casting their grapes ahead of time. But, the, in that agricultural economy, it was important that harvests would come to, to a full cycle. And one of the things that was happening as a result of the folks just refusing to bring the whole tithe unto the Lord is that the Lord was showing them that, that uh, he has the ability to cause the harvest to come to, to full fruition, but he also has the ability to cause it not to come in, which means that the vines would prematurely cast their grapes. What happens when the Lord breaks the final curve, uh, financial curse off of a family or a, a family situation, an individual, 
is that the deals that are out there that just haven't seemed to have made before, God is able to bring, cause those deals to come forth. He's able to step into the middle of your financial situation, and if you honor him, he will honor you. And it just makes sense that that's what God's people ought to do. And the Lord is saying, I'm telling test me now in this. See if I won't show you how this works and how I want to bless. You bring to me the first 10%, and I will prove to you that you can live better off of the 90% that you live than you were ever living off the full 100%. I will prove that to you. So I just want to encourage you. you know, instead of us saying, Lord, I'm praying for a financial breakthrough, and when you give me this, this money that I'm needing, then I'll really honor you. That's not the way it works. Give, and it shall be given unto you. It starts with us honoring him with, the, with what he has blessed us with right now. If it's $100 a week, the first 10% belongs to him. If it's $1,000 a week, the first 100 belongs to him. It just belongs to him. And he says, you test me and you will see. I will prove it to you. I will prove it to you that you will be able to live better, go farther, have more off the 90% that you keep than if you were hoarding all of the 100% unto yourself. So if we're praying for a financial breakthrough, I just feel like that's something that needs to be said. Start where you are. Honor him with what you have right now. Give to him the first of that which he's blessed you with right now. Amen? Okay, and I know when I get to talking like that, there are a bunch of folks that want to stand up in the pew, pull out their handkerchief and say, preach it, preacher, because I'm proof of that. I know that that's true. It's a testimony. So take that to heart. Another thing that I just feel like I need to say, we're praying, Lord, for... For, for medical breakthroughs, physical breakthroughs. This is not going to be true of every medical breakthrough or that, that we would necessarily need. But in some cases it may be, and I feel like I need to just encourage this. If there is something that your doctors are telling you is related to diet, I'm ducking, <laughs> related to diet, then here, here's, the, here's the way to pray. Lord, will you increase my self-control? Will you empower me with a no instead of just nothing but a yes when it comes to food? And, and you know, I, I have to raise my hand. Shirley's here. She could say, the boy can eat. The boy can eat. I'd, but there are some things, as we get older, there's a recognition that some things that are related to diet can more dramatically affect our physical being as we're older than when we were younger. So whatever, whoever that needs to be spoken to, I take that to my own heart that, that Lord, where things can be addressed, breakthroughs physically can be addressed. If my diet was just changed, then, then Lord, let the breakthrough be in me. Give, give to me self-control. Give to me the ability to say no, to walk away. And he can do that. One of the manifestations of the fruit of the Spirit, it, it's a little-known stated part of the fruit of the Spirit. It, it, it's, um, we, we look past it, but one of the aspects is, right along with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, one of those put in there is self-control. Self-control. The Holy Spirit has the power to give us self-control in the direction of what is best and what is right. Okay, say amen, preacher, preach it. Good, we're all on the same page. I got that done. All right? So this morning, 
we'll turn the corner, and I want to give you a statement, and then we'll spend some time in the Word looking for it and looking at it. The key to every breakthrough, the key to every breakthrough is the presence of Jesus. The key to every breakthrough is the sense of the presence of Jesus. All breakthroughs are not going to happen between noon and dark today. All breakthroughs are not necessarily of the same kind that is needed. But when to your troubled heart, to your burdened mind, there comes to be the sense that you are not an orphan, that you have not been abandoned, but that you are where you are, and as you are where you are, somebody has come in the room. And his name is Jesus. I know this is a broad statement. It, it's When you use words like all and every, you're, you're painting with a broad stroke. But I feel like this one is worth the risk of that, this, this truth. The key to every breakthrough is not necessarily the physical dimensions of the breakthrough, but the key to every breakthrough is the sense of the presence of Jesus. All right, now let's back up and let's see if we can get a running start and be standing on solid scriptural ground for such a state. When the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray, you remember that. We've been, we've been over this, it seems like, millions of times in the last few months. Our Father, who art in heaven, holy, hallowed, set apart, uncommon, unlike any other, is your name. Honoring the presence of the Father, acknowledging who he is. But then the very next thing that Jesus says, here's how you pray. Thy kingdom the, the order is, in the, in the original language, as we've mentioned, the verb comes first, come thy kingdom, meaning emphasis, that that's how they would, use, they would have exclamation points and bold and bold fonts and so forth in the, in the ancient languages. They would, they would set the words in the order that they felt like needed to be emphasized when they, when they constructed a sentence. This is how Jesus said it. You pray this. When you want to pray and be heard, when you want to get the attention of heaven, here's how you pray. Come thy kingdom. Come into being. Come into manifestation. Come into present reality. Your kingdom. Jesus, when I know I'm repeating here, but Jesus would say, when asked about the kingdom, the kingdom of God coming, where is the kingdom? And Jesus would say, 
The kingdom is not a place. The kingdom is not a building. The kingdom is not a geographic location. The kingdom of God on earth, if you're to find it, he said, is within you. It means that the kingdom of God is a property. The kingdom of God is something that is within the hearts of people if it is to be found at all. The second truth is you don't have a kingdom unless you have a king. You have to have a king in order for there to be a kingdom. Jesus would say, Jesus would say, when you pray and want to be heard, the first item, the first agenda closest to the heart of the Father is this statement. Invite, welcome, invoke by saying it in this way, come thy kingdom. In other words, bring to my heart, Lord, the presence of the King. Bring to my heart, Lord, Cause to be real inside the depth of who I am, the presence of the king. And who's the king? His name is Jesus. The king of kings and the Lord of lords. Come thy kingdom. It, it, is, about, it is about the manifest presence of Jesus. This isn't cranial. This is not academic. This is just not facts that the mind can assimilate about Jesus as a person. This is about the felt presence of the King Jesus. Now, again, fast forward again. I know this is repetitious to some degree. Acts chapter 1, Jesus had been raised from the dead for 40 days. He taught on one subject, and the subject was the kingdom of God, how the kingdom of God would work, what would be the properties, the priorities of the kingdom of God. But then in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and then you will be able to be my witnesses because you are filled up with the presence of the King. It's not enough just to know facts and figures about the dimensions of the kingdom of God. That doesn't do us any good unless we have the power of the kingdom that is intended to be available to the Lord's people, and that is the manifesting of the presence of the king. So that's why we've been saying over these last months, the two, two prayers that can change everything in your life. It doesn't matter who you are, how old you are, how young, married, single, here, there, yonder. These two prayers, the first one is, Jesus, save me. Jesus, rescue me. Jesus, deliver me. Jesus, save me. That's what his name means is Savior. Jesus means Savior. He specializes in rescuing. He's no stranger to trouble and to pits and to fires and to wars and to difficulties. He specializes in reaching into the middle of things where people's lives have been shattered and dreams have been blown up and difficulty has surrounded them. Reaching in with his strong arm of grace and taking hold of that somebody and bringing them up and bringing them into himself. And in that place, that one knows I'm loved. I'm not trash. I'm forgiven. I'm not throwaway. There's hope for me because of the one who is rescuing me. If you've never prayed that prayer, Jesus, rescue me. Jesus, save me. Pray that prayer. Pray that prayer. Cry out, Lord Jesus, save. And I know we've been over a lot. I got saved when I was four. 
or I got saved when I was 12 in vacation Bible school. Well, let me ask you a question then, sir or ma'am. Has there ever been a time since then that you've needed to be rescued? Have you ever found yourself on a dead-end street and no way out, and you didn't know what to do only to cry out, Lord, save me? I'm not talking about the saving from hell to heaven and just and then the, the wonderful blessing of being forgiven of sins. But he still knows how to rescue us when we get in messes. He still knows how to fight for us when the enemy comes in against us. Jesus, save me. It's never supposed to be that we get so spiritual or we get so mature or we have so much scripture in us that we don't ever need to cry out, Lord, save me. That's what he does. He rescues, but then he keeps. He saves and he keeps. And one of the things he'll do is he sends that wonderful work of his spirit inside us to change our want to. So we're not wanting anymore to go back to the stuff that caused us to be about to go off a cliff and about to trash our lives and other people's. A part of his saving is is that he can change some things inside of you that you never thought you could live without. But they they were breaking you. They were ruining your future and whatever, Jesus saved me. But then the other one is, that other prayer, Jesus filled me. Jesus filled me. Luke eleven thirteen. 13, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who are asking him? Continuously, throughout the day, whenever I'm feeling weak or when I'm feeling my lack or whenever I don't know what where to turn and what to do. Jesus, fill me. 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 Confused at work, make your way out to your F-150, roll up the window, turn the motor on, let the air conditioner go, and where you can say it out loud if you need to, Jesus, fill me. I'm about to go crazy with these people. They're about to run me nuts off the people. They're lying against me. They're making stuff up about me. I don't know what to do. Jesus, fill me. Jesus, fill me with your love and your joy and your peace and your patience and your kindness and your goodness and your gentleness and your self-control because I ain't got any more of that left to give out of me. Jesus, fill me. Jesus, fill me. Some of this spiritual, well, if you just had enough verses in your Bible, if you're in your heart, if you just had enough of the Scripture memorized. Listen, you, you, you can know all the Scriptures about hope and still not have hope. You can know everything there is to say that's wrong and you shouldn't do and still something go off inside you to want to do those very things. It's the power of the Spirit of Jesus. It's his muscles, his moral muscles, his affection for what is right, rising up in us, filling us, that makes all the difference. It's not you as a Christian trying harder. It's you and I as Christians deciding we're not going to try anymore because my trying hadn't gotten me off the launch pad. What I need to be doing is just surrendering, just yielding, Lord, I can't, but you can. I can't do it, but you can. I can, and my only hope is that you will. Jesus, fill me. 
Jesus filled. And the devil comes and says, you're this and you're that. and you had to Just look at him and say, well, you are exactly right, devil. I, I'm, I'm, I, I've never, I, I can't do. I, all those things are true of what I've done. But that's not who I am <laughs> anymore. That's what I once was. But I am what I am by the grace of God. He gripped me. He's holding me. He's filling me. And my hope is in him. Jesus filled me. Jesus filled me. Jesus filled me. You, you get somebody just on your case and you just don't even take it anymore, just under your breath as you can't get out of their presence yet, you're still there. It's just Jesus filled me. Jesus filled me. Because if you don't fill me, I'm about to take them out. So I fill me, Lord. Fill me, Lord. Fill me, Lord. Fill me, Lord. I know some may be listening and say, Preacher, why don't you get off that? Why don't you get on to something a little more academic, a little more brain? The problem is you can be as brainy as you want to be. You can, you can, you can take apart all the verses of Scripture, and we should be understanding and absorbing the Scripture. I get that. But if, it's, if, 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 the, if the written Scripture is supposed to take the place of the empowering of the Holy Spirit of Jesus in your life. And that's your conclusion. I don't need to be really filled with the Spirit. I don't know what that's about. I don't need to be filled with the Spirit of Jesus. I've got the Word. The problem is, the Lord said, I gave the, I gave the law, I gave the Old Testament law, and the people couldn't keep the law. But he promised in Ezekiel and Jeremiah, there's a day coming when I will write my law across the hearts of my people so that they'll know from the inside out. They'll be drawn toward my word. They'll be drawn toward what pleases me from the inside out. That's the day of Pentecost. That's the age of grace in which we live. Jesus filled me. I got your word, and I wear out Bibles in my lifetime. I've got them marked up. But, Lord, the truth of the matter is I need the one who wrote this book to engage me and fill me so I can do what's in here. It's not either or. It is both and. It is both the filling of the Spirit and searching the Scriptures to know the heart and mind of God. Preach it, preacher. Amen. All right, now, that was way more than I had planned to get off into this one. The key to every breakthrough is the presence of the King, the presence of Jesus. I want you to notice, remember that Jesus said, that's how I want you to pray. You pray for the kingdom to come, which means the presence of the king to be known. Paul picked up on that theme, and we've read this one many times, but let me just give it to you one more. There were two prayers that Paul prayed for the Ephesians in the book of Ephesians. The first one is in chapter 1. The second one's in chapter 3. I want you to look. Let me read this down through this, Ephesians chapter 1. For this reason, verse 15. For this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you, and having heard of your love for all the saints. Oh, now look. Who are the saints? Who, who are the saints? Who's he talking about? The saints are made up of 
the group that has been called out of, who have been called out of darkness and into light, who are owning Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, who are being filled, seeking to be filled with His Spirit as they live their lives. It, is, it was never intended to be some elite, select group of people that are Saint so-and-so and Saint somebody and Saint whatever. You're a saint. If, Jesus, if you've responded to the call of Jesus in your life, the word saint means holy one. That's not saying that we're all completely holy in every category, but that's saying that that is the call of God upon our lives, and that's where he's taken us. He's taken us further and further away from darkness and more and more into light. So the Christians, the general audience that Paul would write to and others would write to, they would address them as saints. Everybody in the pew. Every person who had received Jesus as Savior and Lord. It, it, it makes it easier for us to just kind of assume that there's a lesser way to live. There's, there's another way that we can do it by not calling, I'm not a saint. I'm not a saint. So-and-so is a saint. Or here are the list of saints. They made that up. So a denomination made up the lists of saints. It, it, it's, it's not a biblical truth. The biblical pattern is everybody who has received Jesus as Savior and Lord is a saint. You, you, I may not live like it, but the calling upon me is for me. That, that is my higher calling. And Paul will say, walk in a manner worthy of your calling. Amen. All right, so that, that's there. I didn't make that up. He, he's not writing to the pantheon or the listing of saints that are these, these are elite, select. They, they've got this stuff they did, and so they're saints. no. He, he, he says, for this reason, I'm, I pray for you because I've heard of your love for all the saints, all the people of God. Do not, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. And then here's his prayer. Look at verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, literally flooded with light, shot through with illumination, flooded with light, so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. He, he, he inherited you because of what Jesus has done, and that is, that is considered to be an extremely worthy inheritance. The Lord inherited the redeemed saints through the work of Jesus, and that is called a great inheritance. Amen. And then, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? I want you to bring it back, go, go back to, this, to that, that statement where Paul is saying, here's how I pray. I pray that the Father will give to you a spirit of wisdom and of, look, revelation in the true knowledge of Jesus. In other words, that you would be able to see that, that the curtain would be parted or lifted that any barrier, any hindrance that would cause you not to see the reality of who Jesus is, that that would be taken away. 
I pray that God, by his spirit, would give you the ability to see the king, to see the relevance of his presence, to see that he is where you are. Where can you go and escape the presence of God? Nowhere. But we can live our lives not aware that he's there. Paul is saying, I'm praying that there will be an outpouring of the spirit upon you in such a way that your eyes will be opened and you'll be able to see the king. Back again, the key to every breakthrough is the sense of the presence of Jesus. That is what Paul is praying. That's how we need to pray for each other. When it seems as if the Lord isn't near, when it seems as if we're not sure that the Lord's doing anything, that somehow we've lost the sense of his presence. Lord, will you give to me, as Paul prayed for the Ephesians, and he prayed that for us. Lord, will you give to your people your spirit of wisdom and revelation to be able to really see, to see and to know who you really are. Who you really are. All right, leave Ephesians and go, uh uh-oh. Uh-oh, I'll know not what is about to happen. She's going to the microphone. Well, it, while she's coming, would you, would you all please find Joshua chapter 1? Joshua chapter 1. Yes, ma'am. I couldn't stand it. I feel like we're supposed to be praying this morning for people. It, 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 it may be you. It may be somebody that you're praying for, but they have a stronghold in their lives. And a stronghold is a sin that's not just done once, but it's been done Choice of will over and over again. Lee, will you come up here? Because I feel like you're supposed to pray. Uh, we need to pray right now. You've been telling us the truth. we got to put it into action right now. <laughs> yes, ma'am. If, if you have someone in your oh. life or it's you and there's a stronghold, we're dealing with a stronghold. We want to apply the truths that have been declared to us this morning. Amen. They're in the spirit in this room. And we just want to, by faith... Pray for individuals who are bound this morning, who are right. bound and held captive because they've been blinded by the, the um, enemy to think that they can't change, they can't be any different. Right. So would you please, if that, this applies to you, you don't have to be stand, polite. Stand up stand if you up. have someone yeah. on your heart like that or if you are somebody like yeah. that, you know, D- that's where you are. Let's just stand and we're going to pray, please. Were you ready for this? I uh, know. <laughs> okay. But the spirit in me is. Amen. Amen. Give me one second. Um, you know, my heart goes out to anyone who finds himself caught up in something and they uh, can't get out of it. But there is someone who can get you out of it. Yes. And uh, through his resurrecting power, mm-hmm. he is our recoverer. And he will cover you. You can't get so far away from him that you can't be reached. So this is my prayer for you. I ask that the Lord puts his spirit in you and his power in you to where you can walk out of the situation that's, that's, that's keeping you so bound up. A lot of times nobody even knows it but you. And that uh, he gives you that freedom that you so desperately need and that peace that you so desperately look for. And the hope, and that hope is him and him alone. And it's only in that cross that you can find that hope. I'm a mm-hmm. perfect example mm-hmm. of that. I know what that cross feels like. I know what it's like to have my identity in the resurrecting power of Christ. Thank you, Lord. 
my identity is not in myself. If it, if, when I do allow that to be, I just, I just fall, and I fall mm -hmm. hard. And so my prayer is, is that he just totally, totally just, mm -hmm. just, in, uh, just did, consumes your whole life with his presence and that you step out in freedom and that you continue to do so as you keep your eyes focused on him and the cross. And I ask this in Jesus' holy, precious name. Amen. 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 Bless you. Bless you. Well, is there anything else before you go sit down again? Is there anything else you, you want to say? you have a prayer in your heart? Too? Well, I do, but in a minute. Here, okay. let, me, let me just. So that's, that's Mrs. Walker. Um, so. Don't encourage her too much. She's like, you know, you all have been around here long enough. It's very rare that she ever does anything like that. But when, when she is prompted, I, I, know, it, I know it's got to be the Lord. So, so we honor it and thank you. Okay, now back to where we were. Um, if you can find your spot, Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1, and then we're going to skip over and read some out of Joshua chapter 5. came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads I have given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses. Verse 5, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give the people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. Verse 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed. For the Lord your God, listen to this, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go, not will be with you, but is with you wherever you go. Paul prayed for the Ephesians, and he prayed for us, Lord, give to them a spirit of wisdom and of revelation that they may know that you are with them wherever they go. The key to every breakthrough is the sense of the presence of Jesus. Now, Joshua was predisposed to fear, evidently, because the Lord mentions it a couple of different times. Joshua, don't be afraid. Joshua, don't dismay. In other words, Joshua, don't give up. I'm here. I know how you're wired. I, I know your proneness to weakness and to doubt and to fear. But I'm with you. Wherever I send you, wherever you go, I am with you. I, I, just, I just keep flashing forward to the New Testament 
where there is a further revelation of all of these things. And because of the sending of the Holy Spirit, there's even more of the promise of manifestation of what Joshua had experienced and Moses had experienced. That was the old covenant. That was under the, under the covenant of law. We're under the covenant of grace. The Spirit has come, and the Spirit is able to make Jesus real to you. I say this often to business people, to to folks in any walk of life. Don't, Don't think you can lock Jesus up in the church house and so that when you leave and drive out of here, you won't see him again or feel him again until somehow you can get back here. Wrong. Wrong. The kingdom of God is not a building, Jesus said. The kingdom of God is not a place. The place where the king resides is in your chest. Where is your chest going this week? Where is your chest going to sit down? Who is your chest going to have companionship with? In the heart of God's people is where the king resides. And so our prayer, Lord, fill me, means that we're praying, Lord, fill me with more and more of a sense of your manifest presence inside me. All right? Skip Joshua from Joshua chapter 1 and go over to chapter 5. Joshua chapter 5. There are breakthroughs that have to do with objectives to be accomplished, battles to be fought, storms to be endured. In each of those categories and others that we could mention, the key to the breakthrough is the sense of the presence of Jesus. Folks, one of his best ways, probably the best way for him to prove to you that you're not an orphan, to prove to you that he is where you are, is for all hell to be breaking loose and for you still to sense that you're not by yourself. They may be cussing your name, coming at you, doing all kinds of other things, and it would seem as if the whole world hates you, (laughs) except in that spot, in that place, You sense his presence, and it helps you with your perspective. The whole world can think you're crazy, and the whole world can be wrong because he is standing with you. He is there. He is there. He is there. All right, so Joshua's assignment, Joshua's objective is to take the people into the land and possess the land that had been promised to their forefathers. Moses is dead. Joshua is now the leader. Look at Joshua 5, verse 13. Now it came about when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? Striking that evidently in this setting, Joshua's by himself. He's standing on the plains of Jericho, looking across, and in the distance, there is this city, this impregnable fortress. We we have been there and have seen the ruins of Jericho, and they, they can show you where it looks as if the foundations of the wall were and how wide they extended. And and uh, scholars, uh, archaeologists would say that 
that it was so wide, it was tall, but it was wide enough for there to be at least a couple of chariots side by side that could drive all the way around the top of the walls of the city of Jericho. It, it was not just a wooden structure. It, it wasn't just something that could easily be pushed over. But in order for Canaan to be possessed, in order for the people to enter into their inheritance, Jericho had to fall. They could conquer everything else, but if Jericho was still in place, it was a city-state, and from there, there would continue to be marauding bands that would undercut what they were supposed to be there to claim, the people of God. So there stands Joshua. We don't know whether it's in the evening, afternoon, morning, but he's there and evidently by himself looking across this long, flat plain, and he's seeing the city in the distance. And all of a sudden, off to the side, Somewhere, from somewhere, he sees a man standing. Of course, there's a man. And the man is standing there with his sword drawn. To which Joshua responds, are you for us or for our adversaries? Verse 14, and he, the man with the drawn sword, said, no. Rather I indeed come now as captain of the hosts of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and bowed down and said to him, what has my Lord to say to his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, remove your sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy. It's holy. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. There's still pagans to the 63rd power that are living in Jericho. That land was anything but holy in the natural sense. But wherever the captain of the Lord's host would stand, that ground has become, has become holy under the Lord. Joshua was standing on enemy territory, but when the king, and I'm giving them fast-forwarding a little bit, but when the king showed up, that ground instantaneous became, the king's possession became holy ground. He said, how do you know it was the king? How, how do you know this was a pre-Bethlehem appearance of Jesus? Keep reading. Now, Jericho was tightly shut because of the sons of Israel. No one went out and no one came in. Two or three million people in the Israelites as they came out of Egypt. Think about all the food and water and shelter predicaments for the leadership of that group. Two to three million plus their livestock, their cattle. In one large band, like a river moving from Egypt out of the wilderness and across the Jordan River. And now they're they, they are camped where Jericho's inhabitants could see them. As the inhabitants of Jericho saw them, they were terrified. They, they locked everything up. They shut everything down. Nobody went out. Nobody came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, verse 2, catch that. And the Lord said to Joshua, well, I thought it was this man with, his, with a sword drawn in his hand. Well, guess who the man with a sword drawn in his hand was? It was the Lord. It was the Lord. D just like when Nebuchadnezzar threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fiery furnace, and he turned and looked and said, I thought we threw three in there. Who's this fourth man who looks like a son of the gods? 
Jesus existed in full authority, full power, with the name that is above every other name before Bethlehem ever happened. He became a man. He wasn't always a man. He was God the very God, man the very man. But this is one of those instances. Now the Lord said to Joshua, See, look, I have given Jericho into your hand. Past tense. It's done. I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and its valiant warriors. And you shall march around the city, all the men of war circling the city once. You shall do so for six days. Seven priests shall carry seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. Then on the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And it shall be that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people on the seventh day, end of the seventh lap, shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people will go up every man straight ahead. Well, you read the rest of the story, and that's exactly what happened. But here's what I want to ask you. How did those walls get knocked down flat? What was it? Was it the sound of two or three million people at one time shouting to the glory of God and to Gideon or to, to Joshua here? Was it, was it the, the sheer decibel strength of the volume of their voices? Or was there something else going on? Here's, here's, here's a dimension of understanding you who are in the thick of a fight need to just let the Lord warm your heart with. You are finding yourself in the middle of a predicament, a situation, an objective that you know you don't have the ability to accomplish on your own. Listen to this. Jesus describes himself as the captain of the Lord's host. That means he is in charge of the invisible armies of the Lord. Joshua was in charge of the visible material soldiers, but Jesus came as captain of the Lord's host. Now you say, well, I don't know, what does that mean? Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I want to show you what that means. Can you find the last book in your Bible? Right before the maps, the book of the Revelation, and I want you to, let me read, let me read from Revelation chapter 5, starting in verse 11. This is a picture of heaven, John the Revelator, as he's come to be known, recorded. And I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, and the living creatures, and the elders, and the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. Using those big words because there were too many to count individually, myriads of myriads, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches, to take power, to take power. It can be given, but in the end, he will take the power and riches, and wisdom, and might, and honor, and glory, and blessing. 
Skip over to Revelation 19. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, verse 11, 1911. And he who sat upon it is called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. And his eyes were a flame of fire, and upon his head are many crowns, many diadems, and he has a name written upon him which no one knows except himself. And he is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Look, and the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. Who is he? This Jesus, this exalted Jesus, is the commander of the armies of heaven. Listen, folks. You may be the only person standing that would even own the name of Jesus where you work and confronting the obstacle that's before you or or facing this, this opportunity that seems greater than anything you could ever imagine. But you're not alone. You're not alone. You you can't see past the natural. But where there is the sense as you stand before that objective and and you are praying, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Lord, I need to know your presence. The one who comes to stand beside you is the commander of the armies of heaven. And when he gives the word, when he gives the command, then the armies of heaven, the invisible armies, come into operation. Case in point. Lap it seven times, Joshua. On the seventh day, lap it seven times. And then, at your signal, the people will shout a great shout. But what happened then? The people shouted and the walls were still standing. Joshua gives the command and the objective is not still reached. (laughs) But the moment the servant of the Lord, you, utter that command, Lord, it's time. Lord, whatever the commandment that they were given, he uttered it. And at that point in time, these unseen angelic armies, whatever they had, sledgehammers, battering rams, just walked up to it and just kicked it with their own celestial feet. We don't know, but an invisible army kicked in, literally. An invisible army manifested, and the walls of Jericho were obliterated. Joshua never saw them. The people of Israel never saw them. All they saw were the effects of that army. My brother, my sister, all you need to know is that God has assigned you where he's put you. And and understand, this, this was not some spirit. They weren't building a church. They weren't building the temple. This was a practical matter of of removing an obstacle. The the Lord is where you are, wherever your chest goes. He dwells in your chest. He dwells in your heart. Wherever your chest goes, he is. Whatever he's called you to do, he will empower you to do, and even beyond the point of the resources that you can see. Show you another one. Say, well, that was the Old Testament. The truth of the matter is, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. These Old Testament stories are written for our instruction, for our encouragement, Paul would say. You read those stories and you realize that's the kind of God you bow before. 
That's the kind of king you serve. He knows how to fight. He knows how to deliver. David had not been king long over all of Israel for very long. This is 2 Samuel chapter chapter 5. 2 Samuel 5, starting in verse 17. Let me read down through this quick. You You need this. I need this. Verse 17, when the Philistines heard, the arch enemies of the Israelites, when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to seek out David. That wasn't going to be a happy little, you know, hors d'oeuvres dinner, a little meet and greet. They were coming to kill him. They thought if they could come and get to him before he had consolidated power, that would be their best chance. And David knew what to do. He heard it. And so he went down to the stronghold, a place where he would hide, a place where he would prepare for what was next. Verse 19. Then David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Wilt thou give them into my hand? Okay, now can I just stop there a minute? David is a head of state. He's not a professional preacher. He's not a professional prophet. He's a head of state. He's in charge of people. He would run businesses. He would command armies. But at the core of who David was, was a man who was after God's heart. So instead of, notice this, he gets the word that there's an invading army approaching and they're out to get him. Where does he go first? Commander. Businessman, leader, secular leader in a sense. He doesn't call his, his top warring generals together. It just says he, he inquired of the Lord. He inquired of the Lord. My dear businessman, brother, my dear businesswoman, professionally, whatever, whatever you are, you don't have to. In fact, it is to your great detriment if you check Jesus at the door of the church and then go to work. Wherever you are, he is. Whatever you're standing in the middle of, he wants to show you that he's there. Ask him. Ask him, Lord, what do I do? Who do I hire? Who needs to go? What do I do? That's what David was doing. Do I go up against them? And the Lord said to David, verse 19, Go up, for I will certainly give the Philistines into your hand. For David to hear the Lord, there had to be a sense that the Lord was present, that the Lord was close. And as a result of his sensing that the Lord was close, when the Lord spoke something to him, Faith rose in his heart. Courage rose in his heart. This didn't come from David. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the words of Christ. If you need courage that you don't have, ask the Lord. Talk to the Lord. Lord, is this something you want me to do? Is this a part of your commission on my life? And then wait for him to say something to you. My sheep hear my voice. And I hear them. I know them. And they follow me. Folks, the Lord doesn't have any perfect people in his army. The Lord doesn't have anybody who does everything exactly right. You know what he's got? He's got you and me. 
and he's called us unto himself. And for us to believe the lie of the devil, oh, the Lord wouldn't talk to me that specifically, is to do just that, to believe the lie of Satan. What has Jesus said? My sheep will hear my voice when I speak to them. And I know them. I know where they are. I know what they need. I know who's coming after them. I know what's going on. I know them, and they will follow me. They will follow me along the lines of what I have spoken to them. I just want to challenge you in your business, in your professional work, in your outside of church things. Ask the Lord all the time. Ask him about everything. He's not stuck in the church. The kingdom of God is within you. Wherever the within you goes in the course of a week. I know I'm hollering and stuff, but I, I, I do, I'm telling you, there is a dimension of authority that some of you haven't walked in yet because you think Jesus is not really anywhere to be found where you work. That's only because you won't let him be found where you work. He wants you to know him. He wants you to know his strength, his presence. All right, so and the Lord said to David, go up, for I certainly will give the listings into your hand. And then watch this, verse 20. So David came to Baal-perazim and defeated them there. And he said, the Lord has broken through my enemies before me like the breakthrough of waters. Therefore, he named that place Baal-perazim. You know what Baal-perazim means? The master of the breakthrough. <laughs> The master of the breakthrough. Who is the master of the breakthrough? The Lord Jesus Christ is the master of the breakthrough. In order for you to know that that's who he is, he allows us to face some places that need breaking through. So that instead of getting a consummate judgment laterally, we've gone this way. Lord, what do you want me to do? He gives a direction. We take the steps, and the breakthrough that only he is master of happens before. I want to tell you, I want to challenge you. It, it doesn't matter the setting. It doesn't matter the category in your life. Step into this. Say, Lord, I'm, I want you to show me that this is who you are. I put my trust in you. Okay, but hold on to that now. Verse 22, the Philistines came up once again spread themselves out in the valley of Rephaim. In other words, the Philistines, they got whipped once, but, but they, they were going to try again. And when David, 30, 23, inquired of the Lord, and when David inquired of the Lord, so this, it's his pattern. It's just him and the Lord. He doesn't call a committee meeting. You know, he, he, he's, not, he's not calling a conference. He's the leader assigned with the task. He gets along with God whom he has come to know as the master of the breakthrough. And when David inquired of the Lord, he said, the Lord said, you shall not go directly up like you did the last time. Circle around behind them, behind the Philistines, and come at them in front of the balsam trees, a grove of balsam trees. And it shall be when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the balsam trees, 
then you shall act promptly, for then the Lord will have gone out before you to strike the army of the Philistines. Then David did just as the Lord had commanded him and struck down the Philistines from Geba as far as Gear. Now what's that saying? That's saying that that same batch of heavenly military angels who assisted Joshua were still on duty when David was being attacked by the Philistines. David didn't see the bottom of the angel's boots. But what was that (laughs) that was marching through the tops of the trees? Why would that image be brought up by the Spirit of the Lord if not to help us understand? You got natural resources and they can go so far. But when the the need before you requires further reinforcements and a further dimension of authority, there's another whole realm of invisible help available to my child. All David heard was the sound of wind blowing through the tops. Not the bottoms, not the middle, but from the top. When you hear the old King James, when you hear the sound of the going in the tops of the mulberry trees, what it was called, then you know that the Lord has gone before you. Oh, listen, folks. We, we said, oh, God, just spare me this and spare me that and get me out of the other thing and don't let this happen to me. And sometimes he honors that prayer. But many, many times he's wanting to show you two things, how precious you are to him and how powerful he is in your behalf. So so things happen. Things come unglued. Enemies emerge. Challenges greater than what we can handle. But he wants to show me. He wants to prove to me that he's Baal Perizim. He is the master of the breakthrough. Let me tell you, when I'm facing a breakthrough, I don't want somebody who have been through anything. All they've done is just sit in a Sunday school class and mark up their Bible. You know, they, they, hadn't, they hadn't suffered, they hadn't fought, they hadn't been challenged, they hadn't been kicked out of anything for what they stand for. They're just, they're just quoting little pious little platitudes. Well, this is what I think y'all to do. Basically, this is what I think y'all do to stay out of all that hot water. You got in that hot water because you just didn't, you didn't do something right. I'd rather have somebody who's got an air or two sticking on them. Got a little dust on their face, but they can say to you, let me tell you something. No matter what your battle is, no matter who's coming after you, no matter how high the mountain, there is a God. His name is Jesus the Christ, and he is a warrior. And he is the master of the breakthrough. You stand You believe, you hold steady, you shout his name, you praise his glory, and don't budge because the breakthrough is coming. Amen. 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 
Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for every syllable, for every letter that is written in your Bible, in your word. Thank you that because it comes from you, it's all true. We cherish, we treasure your written word. And we also cherish the promise of your spirit making the presence of Jesus real. Where the Jesus in the scripture comes out of the scripture and establishes himself in our current predicament. Knowing that we are loved, knowing that we have been forgiven, knowing that we are held, knowing that we are not alone, knowing that all our responsibility is, is to follow, is to follow. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters in the business world, outside of the domain of church and spiritual fellowship. Lord, thank you that you've caused us to be lights in dark places. You've said that we we are the light of the world. We don't need to just be sitting in a well-lit church building Sunday after Sunday and think that's all there is to it. The light only does good when it's out in the darkness. Oh, Jesus, fill us with your spirit so that the, the light of your presence inside us will be felt and known and sensed wherever we go. But, Lord, I'm specifically asking you for ones who have been given positions of authority And they are facing objectives, and they may be facing battles. I ask you on the basis of your word that we have read, that has been spoken to our hearts, that you will cause faith to explode in their hearts. And the faith exploding will be a great sense of peace to them, rest to them, that the battle is not theirs, it's the Lord's. And that whatever is required to accomplish the objective to to win the fight, you will bring forth the resources necessary to accomplish it. Thank you for the war stories, Lord, that you're giving us the opportunity to tell. Thank you for this season of faith in our lives. Thank you for the ones you're putting on our hearts to pray for and to believe you for a breakthrough in their lives. In Jesus' name. I want you to say his name with me, church. With not, 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 not mousy, not, not hesitant, not trying to be something. I want you to say his name like you believe his name, Jesus. Say it with me, Jesus. Jesus. Let's say that again, in the name of Jesus. Jesus. Now, with your, with your heart turned toward the person, the situation, the dream, whatever it is, and maybe plural of those forms, the people and the dream, with those in your minds, I want you to speak his name with me again over those and into those. On the count of three, one, two, three, Jesus. Look at them again. Jesus. Look at them again. Jesus. If you don't know how to pray any other phrase, any sentence, any clause, any paragraph, When their name comes up, just speak the name of the commander of the angel armies. 
Speak the name of the one who said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. Speak his name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Let's stand together. One, one more time. I kept you a little long this morning, but it's your fault. If y'all hadn't encouraged the preachers like you do, I, I wouldn't trade you. I wouldn't trade you. I wouldn't trade you. Would you step across the aisle and grab a hold of somebody? If they're in your section, you stand this, just would you take the hand of somebody? It's okay. It's okay. Nobody's going to bite. Lord, I ask you to bless with the filling of your spirit this one on my right hand. I ask you, Lord, to bless this one on my left hand with the filling of your spirit. I pray for your hope to invade their hearts. I pray for your joy to fill their hearts and my heart. And in the name that is above every other name, the name of Jesus, I bless them. I bless them. In the name of Jesus. Now you may hug.